the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Friday, January the 28th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. Today, on January 28, 1973, a ceasefire officially went into effect. The Vietnam War was over, they said. Today, in 1813, the novel Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen was first published, but it was published anonymously in London. Today, in 1915, the United States Coast Guard was created. President Woodrow Wilson signed a bill that merged the Life-Saving Service and the Revenue Cutter Service into one, the Coast Guard. Today, in 1916, Louis Brandeis was nominated by President Woodrow Wilson to the Supreme Court. Brandeis became the court's first Jewish member. Today, in 1956, Elvis Presley, remember him? His national, his first national TV appearance was not on the Ed Sullivan Show, but it was on a program called Stage Show. It was a CBS program hosted by Tommy and Jimmy Dorsey. Tommy Dorsey was one of the great trombone players of all time. Jimmy, his brother, was a great trumpet player. They had a great band that played. They had a TV show as well. Well, Elvis made his first appearance on television appearance on their show. Today in 1986, the space shuttle Challenger exploded 73 seconds after liftoff from Cape Canaveral. It killed all seven crew members, including the school teacher, Krista McAuliffe. Today in 2020, the United States and several other nations prepared to airlift citizens out of the Chinese city, Associated Press says this morning, out of the Chinese city at the center of the virus outbreak that had killed more than 100 people. Why are they not willing to say the word Wuhan? Every time I see not only uh, Associated Press and, and, and others like them doing this, but even some of the smaller newspapers, they will not say the word Wuhan. It's amazing to me, but they just keep rolling along. But anyway, that's what Associated Press is saying this morning, that it was it was uh, today in 2020 that the United States and several other nations prepared to airlift citizens out of the Chinese city, blank, at the center of the virus outbreak that had killed more than 100 people. And finally, one year ago today, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo's administration admitted that thousands more nursing home residents had actually died of COVID-19 than the state's official tallies had previously acknowledged. Well, indeed, he had lied about it. He had sent people back, elderly people, with COVID back to the nursing homes, infecting more people in the nursing homes. It was horrible. He did. There were some consequences. Obviously, he's out of office now, but often these things, they raise a lot of concern at the time. And yet, if you follow up, there are never any significant consequences. In his case, there there was, and there certainly should have been. So a couple of news stories out there this morning I want to mention just in passing. One is that the um, 
the Washington Examiner is uh, running a story, and, and others are starting to publish it this morning, I noticed. And it has to do with um, BLM, not the Bureau of Land Management, but the Black Lives Matter organization. And the Washington uh, Examiner is asking, where is the $60 million left in the bank when the two leaders jumped ship and walked away? You know, the two girls, I guess, yeah, they're girls, they're lesbian, they identify as lesbians, I guess, or one of them does, I think both do. But anyway, they were were all in, and people were, you know, from white-collar guys leaving their offices to... You know, these kids and these Antifa and everybody was gathering around them. It was such a big deal. All of a sudden, they're without leadership now. These two women that started it, trained Marxists in their own words, they're gone. I mean, nobody knows who's in charge. They just walked away. And the Washington Examiner is asking, where's the $60 million that was left in the bank? I don't know where it is, but I'm just telling you that they're looking into it, and we'll keep an eye on that. They said the charity's two board members won't say who controls the $60 million anymore. Washington Examiner, on the article I saw this morning, they concluded that, that BLM is like a giant ghost ship full of treasure drifting in the night with no captain, no discernible crew, and no clear direction. That pretty well sums up what the secular progressive movement, where it usually ends, regardless of what it's really about. There's also a new story out there uh, this morning about George Soros. He's opened his vault of money. He knows where his money is, and he knows where it's going. He says he's uh, making a long-term investment, and um, it's interesting to me how they use the word investment always when they're talking about spending. Usually they use it in regards to spending other people's money. In this case, it's his money. But he put $125 million into this super PAC ahead of the midterms. So when we say the midterms, we need to take them seriously. We all need to vote for sure. We need to pray about it. This is one of the reasons why. He's a billionaire. He's a mega donor. He's a globalist. And uh, he's put $125 million into this super PAC. He says, and they say, the, the PAC gives this statement, the guy that runs it for him. He said the, the, the money that George Soros gave, invested, excuse me, that he invested is for strengthening the infrastructure of American democracy, voting rights, and civic participation, civil rights and liberties, and the rule of law. That's how this money is to be spent. I got to tell you, there were several conservative um, news people and news guys, commentators, that jumped all over that this morning, about an hour ago, and they're writing stories as we speak, and they're showing how that is a lie from beginning to end. It This has, the $125 million will not go to strengthen the infrastructure of American democracy. It will go to dismantle it. And it will go not for voting rights, but it'll go for everybody gets to vote as many times as they want. And as far as civic participation, they want to be sure the two million illegals that crossed our border this last year get a chance to vote. New York is already moving forward on that as a state. 
So this is it's just a lie from beginning to end. But the truth of it is that he is, in fact, putting $125 million in the bank to elect people who share his globalist views, not to strengthen democracy, American democracy or any other for that matter. But in any case, that's a story that's out there today, and it's um, it's getting quite a bit of traction. People are on both of these issues. People are starting to talk about it, and they will be talking about it throughout the course of the day. And if I had more time, I would talk about it, but I don't. But I wanted to make you aware of some of the things that are being discussed out there today. The psalmist said, The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. If we cry out to the Lord, he will hear and he will deliver. I know we are going through difficult times, very difficult times in America, in the world, but particularly in our own country now. There's so many things that are cockeyed now. I mean, nothing is really functioning as it should. Starting in the highest office in the land, it's chaos pretty much day in and day out. There's stories out there today about President Biden telling Zelensky, the, I think he's president or, or premier president, I think he is, of, of Ukraine, telling him to get ready because Russia is coming. They're going to sack Kiev and on and on and on. And now the off, Biden's office is trying to clean that up this morning. They're saying, no, 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 he didn't say that. He, he might have inferred that, but he, did, he said something different. And it's just a disaster. There is no leadership in our nation today. None. There's groups of people working together with common goals, primarily, primarily, that are anti-everything that America was founded upon. Anti-biblical values, Judeo-Christian values, anti-democracy, as they like to say all the time, in our republic. Um, it's just... It's just a chaotic time, and it's a very difficult time for ministries, for churches, for organizations. Black Lives Matter sweeped up, I don't know, a couple of hundred million dollars there in just a, two or three years. Everybody was worked up into a frenzy. They didn't want to be seen as being racist, so they were out marching and giving money and all this kind of thing. Now these two women that started it, they don't even know where they are. They don't even know. They, I mean, this is researched. There's nobody in charge. It's like a ship floating without a captain, without a crew, and without a destination, as the Washington Examiner is saying this morning. And that pretty much sums up not only Black Lives Matter, but it sums up our culture. And the world knows it. China is taking advantage of this on every front. Russia is laughing and drinking their vodka, at least Vladimir Putin is, getting ready to take over Ukraine. And Joe Biden feels his role is not to stop it or to intervene in any way. And I'm not suggesting we go to war at all. But I'm only saying he sees his mission as alerting, <laughs> alerting Zelensky that Russia is about to take over his country. That's not leadership. Anybody can do that at a social club. We have no leadership. None. Zero. And we feel it. And every part of our lives are touched by it. None more than our children. 
and specifically public education. I want to talk to you a little bit about that today. But I want to thank you, those of you who regularly support this ministry. These these are difficult times. I'm not going to dwell on that. But I, I just want to mention this because I hear this nuanced once in a while. Well, Gary must be doing okay because, man, he's not on there talking about money all the time like most many programs are and many churches as well. I fully understand. Because we don't talk about it on the program all the time, we have a budget and it rolls around every month. And if it isn't there, uh, we won't be either. So we need your support. I need it. And the fact that we don't talk about it all the time doesn't mean it's not uh, real and urgent. It is always urgent, but it is particularly so during these times. So it's it's difficult. And so thank you for understanding. Thank you for standing with us. If you don't think what we're doing here is of value, then don't support it. And I understand. By all means, don't. But if you feel there is value to it, and many of you do, and many of you support it, and I'm saying to you, I'm very aware of who supports us and how you support us from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. To those of you who do see the value in what we're doing, would you prayerfully consider standing with us financially during these very turbulent times? Thank you in advance. And because I don't talk about it all the time doesn't mean it isn't real and it isn't there. The need is there. The budget is there. I know you understand. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. And, or you can go to our website, faithandfreedom.us, and you can make a contribution online there. A couple of months ago, Jack Schneider and Jennifer Berkshire, you probably haven't heard of them. I have because I do a lot of research on public schools and so on. But they're not famous, but they're influential. They've written some books. They do seminars. They're both professors. They wrote a perspective. That's what it was called, perspective article for the Washington Post. The story was titled, Parents Claim They Have the Right to Shape Their Kids' School Curriculum, period. They don't. (laughs) Schneider and Berkshire have also co-authored a book. The book is titled, A Wolf at the Schoolhouse Door. I would, on the face of that, agree with it, except they and I are not thinking about the same wolf. So I want to talk to you about that wolf a little bit today and find out who that wolf really is at the schoolhouse door. The titles of the article, they give you a pretty good idea of where they're going with the book and the article, as far as that's concerned. But in case you're still wondering, what is that really about? Well, the point really is, consider this excerpt. When do the interests of parents and children diverge? Generally, it occurs when a parent's desire to inculcate a particular worldview denies the child exposure to other ideas and values that an independent young person may wish to embrace or at least entertain. In other words, they might believe something other than what the parents believe, so the parents are going to fight against anyone introducing any new thoughts to their child. That is a lie. There is not a conservative or a Christian group. Even the Amish are, I mean, they... They lean that way heavily, but evangelical Christians, general biblical Christianity, that's not where we're coming from. I think these people know that, but in any case, they're not certainly not admitting it. That's the big lie. 
And the reason that parents are showing up at school board meetings across the country in record numbers is simply because we care, but we're not trying to keep our children from knowing anything other than what we've told them. That diminishes and demeans Christianity, and that's exactly what these people intend to do. So let's look, take a look not at the wolf at the front door or the schoolhouse door, but at what's behind the schoolhouse door. Schneider and Berkshire begin where every concerned far-left progressive begins. They're saying, oh, this is just a political angle. These parents, it's not what's best for their child. That's what they're saying. They're saying this is a political. They begin with this. I'm quoting. In their search for issues that will deliver Congress in 2022, conservatives and parents have begun to circle around the cause of parents' rights. No, we haven't. We've begun to claim what we thought we had, and that was parents' rights regarding our own kids. They say in the search for issues to deliver Congress in 2022, they claim the sudden push for parental rights then isn't, I'm quoting them, isn't a response to substantive changes in education or the law, it's a political tactic. The parents who are showing up at school board meetings across the country in mass are not primarily trying to figure out how to take back Congress. I can assure you of that. They love their children, and they have recently become deeply concerned about what is actually going on in the classroom. We all know that. But these people are, that's what they do. They parse words and they mislead people. They are the wolf in sheep's clothing. They recently became concerned about what's actually going on in the classroom, and that's why parents are showing up. As the light has been turned on, parents across America are beginning to see more, and many of them didn't know this was going on, and they have become more concerned, and the more concerned they become, the more they turn on the light, and the more they turn on the light, the more reason for concern, and that's what these people are pretty much afraid of, and they're in a kind of a panic mode, at least in my opinion. These co-writers list some of the political leaders who are standing with parents in a growing number of states. They talk about Florida and a number of states, Indiana and several, but they land at the front door of this newly elected Virginia governor, Glenn Youngkin. I've talked about him on this program. He's, he's a, I haven't met him, but boy, everything I've read about him is pretty remarkable. He's very smart, very successful, very conservative, and very committed to Jesus Christ in his own words and the words of his wife. They serve the Lord. I mean, I have no reason to think otherwise, and they're very clear about that. But he's made parents' rights kind of a centerpiece in his recent election. And unlike too many politicians, on day one, which was just the other day, he actually became legally the governor of Virginia, he started down the list. He said, I promised you these things, and I'm going to do it. And on that day, he started down the list. And that's what brings absolute terror to the hearts of the progressive. They're used to conservative people getting upset about it, and I'm one of us, but we get upset about things and we talk about them and we sometimes pound our fist on our Bible and say, you're not, we're, but we're not like George Soros. We don't invest in the future. We just get upset and we go out and we try to fix things and then we kind of forget about it. And The left counts on that. They do to, to advance their agenda. And that, if there's anything in our community that I love so deeply, our Christian community, 
if we could get a little bit longer view, I think it would be helpful in bringing about some of the changes in the culture that we want to bring about. But nonetheless, that's one of our weaknesses. And I think many of you listening would know that. But it's unfortunate, but it's true. And they see that and they ex- exploit that. They say, well, let them rave, get, let them get it off their chest, the Christians, then they'll go back to their church and sing their songs. I mean, I, I, I've seen people say that and heard them say that about us. So that's what I know these people were thinking. But all of a sudden, this guy comes out and he becomes governor and like, who is he? Nobody knew who he was. He was in business. And, you know, he had friends and family who knew him, obviously, but and business associates. But all of a sudden, he becomes governor of Virginia, and he's not saying the right thing. And then he starts doing it, kind of like Donald Trump did. But this guy is a committed Christian without question by anyone so far, except one. And I'll tell you about that in a moment. But he starts doing what he promised he would do, and he's very articulate and very capable. Most parents want their kids to think for themselves. Christian parents, we want our kids to do so through the lens of a biblical worldview. I sent my son to Summit in Colorado with Dr. Noble a couple of years, a couple of summers. Man, did that help him to understand his worldview. Our daughters went to Christian colleges and so on. But these people... They imply that merely introducing kids from Christian or conservative families to different points of view is driving we Christians to these school board meetings. That's preposterous. We're not afraid of the lies of the left. We simply are taking pause at how profound the indoctrination is toward our children. They're not being educated. They're being indoctrinated. Schneider and Berkshire are writing... In their article, they said, writing in the 1960s, historian Richard Hofstadler, I remember him because I was coming into the ministry in the late 60s as a youth pastor, and I remember his writing because people were quoting him all over the place. Otherwise, I would have never heard of him, but they have, uh, he's, they're quoting. Observed that conservatives felt that the country had been taken away from them and their kind and that time-worn American virtues had been eaten away by cosmopolitans and intellectuals. In response, they took up what they called the paranoid style, an approach to politics characterized by heated exaggeration, suspiciousness, and conspiratorial fantasy. Published more than a half century ago, these two contemporaries write, published more than a half century ago, his essay could have been penned yesterday. It's no conspiracy theory or suspicion that Planned Parenthood has taken over sex ed in most government schools. It isn't. It's not conspiratory. It's not like a dream that LGBTQ is providing instruction on human sexuality. They're doing it all over the country. It's no conspiracy that Black Lives Matter is, has taken over. Now they, they don't even know where they've gone to with the money. But they've taken over on race relations and history, cancel. It was this movement, the Black Lives Matter and Associates, who gave us that stupid 1619 project that says America was founded so they could advance slavery in 1619 when the first slave ship arrived at Jamestown. We're not making this stuff up. 
and they're doing it with a with a straight face. This is being presented to our children, not with like a glass of cold water, but like a fire hose in their face. Probably drawing from their book, the two writers conclude with a warning to parents who are seeking involvement in educating their children and a warning to America that if we try to participate in educating our children, they had this to say. In framing our public schools as extremist organizations that undermine the prerogatives of family, conservatives are bringing napalm to the fight. They may rally the base and tilt a few elections in their favor, but as with any scorched earth campaign, the cost of this conflict will be borne long after the fighting stops. Parents may end up with a new set of rights, only to discover that they have lost something even more fundamental in the process. Turned against their schools and their democracy, they may wake from their conspiratorial fantasies to find a pile of rubble and a heap of ashes. The problem that we have today is they are half right. Public education is beginning to look more and more like a pile of rubble and a heap of ashes. It's miserably failing because it is focused on indoctrination, not the basics of education. But they are now putting that on the backs of the conservatives who have all of a sudden said, wait a minute, I'm paying for this? And what some of us have been saying in the loudest voice possible that we have, and that would be this radio program for me, parents are now finding out in real time firsthand that this stuff really is going on in public education. And it's not some isolated case over in the far corner of the United States somewhere. It's all over the place. Yunkin is very bright. He's very successful in private business, very committed Christian. But on Wednesday, a delegate, that would be like from our legislature, they call them delegates in Virginia. He's a Democrat, Don Scott. He's a black Democrat. He took over the floor. He's from the 80th district. He took over the floor and began telling his colleagues that Governor Yunkin, two days in office, Governor Yunkin is not sincere in his faith and prayer life. He's a hypocrite. How does Scott know this? He said because of his executive orders. He recalls meeting the governor-elect a few weeks before he became governor. He said, and the first things that I recall him saying was that he has a strong prayer life and that he was praying for everybody. And so far from what I've seen from his day one activities is not someone who is a man of faith, not a Christian, but someone who wants to divide the commonwealth, someone who wants to cause division in this commonwealth. They started jeering in the chambers. He said, I know the truth hurts. Presumably, he was saying to the delegates who were reacting, he said, I don't want to make you cry like saying critical race theory, because I know it hurts your feelings. They cut off his microphone. He kept talking. So they turned it back on when they got order. He doubled down on the claims and started over again, saying this man is not a Christian because he is not standing for all of this junk that's going on in public education. I think that's a glimpse of what we can see in the future. I wrote an article on this today at faithandfreedom.us. You can see it there. There's a fact that I included a video of him making his speech. I'm not overstating it. It's amazing. What I want to leave you with, think about this over the weekend. It was never God's intent that we pay others to raise and educate our children. It's clearly a responsibility that is first and foremost 
given to parents. Deuteronomy chapter 6, God lays it out. It's not ambiguous. It's not hard to understand. Have a great weekend. I'll see you right here on Monday. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.